Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. Today's date is December 6th, 2021. My name is Bill, and Steve's back. I'm back. Still back. Yeah. You, you didn't really go anywhere Still yet. Still in suspension. It was a very short week. Yeah. In between the last time and this time. Pretty short. Almost felt like a day. Yeah. Yeah. One would think. No, yeah. it was like a, it was, it almost felt like a day and a half. Two days. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Plus so, the 48 hours. <laughs> be a day and a half. So, we hope everyone, oh wait, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Me I'm saying it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Those of you that have been fans of the show for a long time know exactly what just happened there. We uh, are hoping everyone's getting prepared for the next batch of holidays. Your birthday. <laughs> biggest biggest fucking event of the year. I can feel it in my kneecaps. <laughs> yep. Like, you know, when they say, like, it starts getting colder, you can feel it in your bones. Or yeah. Rain's coming. Like, man, it's crazy. No, it's, I can feel it. Well, you've already broken the threshold now. Now, <sighs> now it's all downhill. I know. It's all downhill for me. Can't here. even start my age with a two. I know. It's depressing. I'm probably like, you know how people, when it changes over to, um, you know, like 2022, you you still write last year's date for a little while. Yeah. Like I'm probably going to have an issue with that. Yeah. I'm not even going to think the three type the three on the keyboard. Yeah. It's going to suck. First thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's nuts. So in the past week, have you encountered anything new or interesting? Oh yeah. Uh, um, (laughs) So... I've talked about this album quite a few times um, because, like, I'm a fan of Exodus. Yeah. I am, um, to some regard. And the luxury, as I always bring up about Apple Music, is sometimes I'll add a new album. I'll forget that I did it um, while they're releasing singles off the tracks, off the album. And then eventually when the whole album drops, the whole thing releases and it pops up top of your library. Yeah. So I have a routine in the morning. You know, I um, I have my coffee. um, and due to having a good digestive system, I take an immediate shit after As the I coffee. Think coffee does. Yeah, it's a good diuretic. I'm thinking I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I'm I'm sitting there taking my post coffee poo, and uh, Exodus is persona non grata shows up. So I start to listen. Um, as I'm scrolling the uh, the old Instagram there and uh, keeping up with the the memes of the morning. Yeah. Um. And I keep going, like, I, the only thing with Exodus is, like, their, like, vocal clarity is good enough where you're understanding the lyrics. Yeah. So it makes you want to read them as the song's playing. And it, like, <laughs> made me hate the songs more because, like, I, it, it's very lazy. I said this with every song as it was, it was getting released. And I was like, all right, you know, maybe it's one of those scenarios where the album itself, they're kind of giving you the cheaper tracks ahead of time. And the whole album flows like that. Yeah. The whole album, it's it's Exodus in a nutshell. It's modern Exodus, I should say, in a nutshell. It's no Bonded by Blood era. It's no, like, Toxic Waltz um, Exodus. But I don't know, man. Like, this is, you know, sometimes even, like, Slayer, you'll see they talk about, like, did Slayer retire too early? Did they stop putting out new music too early? According um, to Kerry King, they did. It, exactly. That's what made me think about that. And But I, I'm going to say this. Like, Slayer has a solidified legacy where there's a mm-hmm. couple tail end albums that you can kind of have a little bit of something to say about, but they were a very formulaic band where they didn't go off script to a point where like, Oh shit, like we want old Slayer back. It was just, they're, exactly. they were, they're getting a little weaker in terms of the writing ability. And Exodus is one of those bands to me. Like they're not relevant enough, like with certain other thrash bands from that era that'll yeah. keep putting out music to get enough tension to say like this stinks. Um, but Exodus is kind of one of those bands where 
if they're releasing new music to tour, that's cool. I'd love to see Exodus live. But yeah. some bands at this stage of their career, when they try to stay relevant, man, and that like when keeping it real goes wrong. That's what I can say about this new Exodus album. When keeping I it real, a couple other goes thrash wrong. bands that are like that. Yeah, I'm sure you could. From the you know San Diego or San Francisco, still happening area. to this day. Yeah, some are in the works currently. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Since uh, the last time I saw you, well, I forgot to mention it. Ago. Yeah, I forgot to mention it last week. For those of you that listen to the show and know me personally, or listen to Basement Box Office, as much as I am a fan of Van Halen, I'm a, you. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about it. But as much of a Van Halen fan that I am, I'm even a bigger fan of Ghostbusters. Would you all right, let's let's really <clears throat> break that down. Okay. You can only have one thing for the rest of your life. Van Halen's discography or every Ghostbusters movie. Well, this is the problem though, because mm. all right, does Van Halen include like YouTube videos and shit Everything. too? Okay, Van Halen. Yeah. Easily. Because yeah, like never because I only have three Ghostbusters movies I could watch, so I'm not watching the other yeah. the 2016 one. But like anytime you'll see like Ghostbusters like as an available selection like AMC or something just for a casual watch or any, it's just black screen. You get nothing. Just the same way like if you go to click on a van, you can't see it. I think you I would I would have to give up Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's tough. So, all right. So I guess I'm not equally about it, but I th- I think the only reason I'm choosing Van Halen is because there's so much more, and I feel like I'd be missing out. Yeah. Like with Ghostbusters, it's just like if I already know what it's like. Then but it's, in the movie context, if we narrowed it down to just film, like Ghostbusters is your Van Halen of movies. Yes. Okay. One hundred percent. That's okay, a good comparison. And you know, like I know, like uh, well, actually, no, because if anyone said Ghostbusters sucked, they were just a fucking asshole. Because mm-hmm. it's literally one of the greatest fucking like cinematic like films like ever. Yeah. In terms of technology, but anyways, I'm a Star Wars guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel I the think, same way about Star Wars. Exactly. Well, I think. At the point in time, Star Wars did the best that they could with the technology they had, and Ghostbusters did the exact same thing. And, you know, you're talking about a 10-year difference. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyways, I saw the new Ghostbusters movie. I forgot to bring it up last week. Um, For fans of the franchise... Are it, you including that one particular film? No. Okay. That 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 one's completely not canon, not a part of this like right. universe. I just want to make sure because it's still under the. You like how you have like the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah, and now yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Extended Universe. Yes, yeah, this the is the EU, Ghostbusters yeah. universe yeah. and the Ghostbusters. I'm gonna say going universe. back to Star Wars with like the Clone Wars animations yeah. that are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not doing all that. Um, if you're a fan of the franchise, then obviously you're watching that movie, and um, if you're on the fence about it, I can let you know right now that this is a complete service to the fans. It's not like, um, which Star Wars was it? Rogue One? That was just like, it was like, oh, they tried to make it a service to the fans, but they ruined the movie. No, that movie was great. Okay, and which the one was phenomenal. it? You're probably talking about the sequels in general. No, what was the newest one? The the, the one that, that, was, that everyone was supposed to love, but everybody hated. Probably the sequels. Which Rogue One was a prequel that was a con- connection. We're going to go get too much into this because I'm going to get frustrated because Rogue One is a fucking cinematic okay, I, masterpiece. I, I, I'm You're not, probably I'm thinking of the sequels guy. where they just kind of took the storyline further beyond probably. Uh, the original three. 
Okay. He tried to make sequels to that, and that was the most recent one to come out. Was was it Rise of Skywalker? Yes, that's that was the nine. That's technically in series of the original. Rogue One was a bridge movie between Episode Three and Episode Four. Okay. So, like, so it was three through six, then it was one, two, and three, then it was like you know a couple other things, and then Rogue One, and then they did the sequel films of seven, eight, and nine. Okay. But Rise of Skywalker was the one where like you were supposed to love it, but nobody nobody liked the, it. That all much. the sequels were basically like that, to be honest okay. with you. Yeah, and Ghostbusters Afterlife is not like that. Do they now? Here's the thing with the sequels in mind to say with uh, Ghostbusters: hmm. how much relation do you have to the original films? Well, my only gripe is there's not much about Ghostbusters two that's mentioned. Ghostbusters two is my personal favorite. Yeah, but there's like very little bit that's mentioned about it, if any at all. But like, you have to like really know that movie to know what the, like what it was. Um, it's a, like if the second one didn't exist, this could be a, a fucking sequel to the first movie. Basically really? like what they, they did with Halloween. So the first is heavily connected to extremely connected. Okay. One could say it's, it almost follows the exact tra- trajectory of the first movie with the same villain and everything. That's what um that's what happened same thing with Star Wars fucking. They did yeah. Force Awakens which was episode 7. It was basically plot by plot same structure as the original movie. Same exact plot structure. Um the one thing I will say though is something that I was on the fence about initially before I saw the movie. I if anyone's ever heard me talk about newer movies I hate the narrative that the kids save the day. I hate it. I think it's played always. out. It's literally the most, it's like the worst concept for and It's a always movie like plot. some fucking villain that could like punch a hole through your head. And exactly. It's like some seven year old with the, and they see memes like the power of friendship. Like and yeah. all of a sudden. Like, it's like Turbo Power Rangers movie when the kid's like yeah. 10 years old and he turns into a full grown adult. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But I thought I was going to hate that fact for this movie and I didn't. And like, yeah, the kids save the day, whatever, but it's not like in your face. Like, I feel like even though like Finn from Stranger Things is in this movie as well, it doesn't take that like the page out of that book where it's like the kids are 100% it and this is blah, 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 blah. It's not like that. And um, there's a couple good cameos in it. Extremely good cameos. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I can't say enough good things about it. On the it. recommend meter, it's a highly recommend. Yeah, yeah, yep. The, okay. This is something like everyone absolutely has to much check much better out. than uh, being recommended to watch the new Halloween movie. <laughs> Speaking of that, I had a uh, violent argument with somebody about this uh, over Thanksgiving. They say don't talk about politics. Yeah, um, it's a big thing not to talk about at your Thanksgiving dinners. When I'm around, yeah, um, horror movies. Probably we could put up there ahead of politics in terms of what not to talk about because I we were separated in two tables and um you know I just hear a, a family member just kind of overhear the conversation like I'm I'm with this family at this table but there's part of my family over here at this table and I just have my ear to the wind over there yeah. and I hear someone's like oh I saw Halloween Kills it was very good and I just <laughs> like the fork was in my hand and I was like trying and then I kept hearing it and I eventually buckled and I'm like please like seriously let's let's hash this out. Because this is probably a problem. Because I know how deep. you feel about it. Because me and you feel the same way. But it was way. funny because like, go, and this is going to get off tangent a little bit. But um, the thing about those movies are is that they actually tried. Like I like shitty horror when you can feel that it's 
not supposed to be that way, but it is so bad it's good. Yes. Like Jason takes Manhattan. Horrible. Horrible. But it makes like, it enjoyable because it's horrible. Well, you can go too far with that too. Like look at Jason X. Same thing. But that I think they legitimately tried to do and good. And that's that. the thing, but it was just still so corny. Like mm-hmm. the music at the times and certain kills was then, like goofy then as then hell. Uber Jason. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and um but yeah, Halloween kills, man. It's just I don't even want to bring it up, but I just think it's funny again, because like talk about Ghostbusters, you know, movies that are just reminiscent of our childhood, of our adolescence, of our teenage years. And they got us, man. Yeah. They got us. They could serve us a fucking full on turd on a plate and just label it Halloween, you know, comes back after it ends Mm -hmm. part four. And I'm going to go. Yep. Well, we'll be watching Ghostbusters 17 with Whoopi Goldberg and Rosie O'Donnell. You'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, I will. Right in the theater. I will 100%. 100%. I saw the day it came out. Yep. I saw. I left work early to go see it. Yep. And uh, you think you'd learn your lesson when, you know, Grease 2 came out. You know, <laughs> Sandlot 2, all these fucking. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. <sighs> Unbelievable. If anyone has actually watched that movie, I feel bad because yep. I wasted my time watching yep. that. I heard there's statistic studies that if you actually watch Grease 2 in its entirety, you have a 30% chance of losing your eyesight. Nah, uh, for Possibly. real? No. Oh, I was going to say. No. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, maybe. Dude, I, I've read some fucked up studies before. It wouldn't surprise me if that was legit. Like if that would you, be pretty funny. If though. you can watch an hour and a half movie of Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with Michelle Pfeiffer. Scarface was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, moving on then. I was actually going to say, one of these days, I would like to do a topic kind of based around movies, but not... Really, maybe draw like a correlation or a similarity or kind of like a a retrospective of how like horror movies and like super heavy, brutal music is always put together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was even going to say that even with the whole Van Halen Ghostbusters thing, we can talk about best franchises versus best discographies and break down which album to which. Like, for instance, like the Halloween franchise, Halloween 2 would basically be my leprosy. Okay. Of Death's discography. Halloween 3, though, would be human. Because I love and put them in comparison. So what would uh, Kills be? Halloween Kills would be some live show that was recorded <laughs> on an 8-track <laughs> that you couldn't understand a fucking word the of The Death it. by Metal, e- or Metal yeah, by Death EP. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That, that was- is the sane anger of their lineup right now. Um. So that that was something I was thinking about for a while. We'll I do feel that. Like, I, I was because I was even really thinking cool that the way we because you brought up Ghostbusters and Van Halen, we could definitely do something in terms of how we relate. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe a crossover episode sometime in the near future. Basin Box Office will be coming back sometime in the near future. Thanks I don't for know. joining us as you discuss how to establish a topic on a podcast. That is literally how it happens. That was our episode. Thanks for sticking around, guys. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that was literally the topic. Have a good night, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Get us on our social media. Yeah. What do you think? All right. All right. So get into our music history for today. December 6th. What year? 1877. I think this is the first time in this show's history. Yeah. That we went, that we actually broke like the 1920s. Yeah. This is cool though. 19. I mean, 18. Yeah. I'm so used to that. 1877. Thomas Edison records on the phonograph. Mary had a little lamb. Um, for the next hundred years, this is considered to be the first recording of a voice. 
which is interesting. Yeah. Probably a theory that Thomas Edison stole that from Nikola Tesla because he stole like basically most of his designs and <laughs> shit anyway. So, um, but no, I, th- I thought that was fucking very interesting because even what we're doing right here yeah, and the shit we take for granted, picturing like you know, Tommy Ed trying to set up a podcast with, with the crank and just like, just to fucking record 17 seconds of some crazy. I know, yeah, right? Like, Could you imagine? And people are blown away by this. And it even has like horrible quality because yeah. you're, you're like talking into like a megaphone. Yeah, we take technology such for oh granted. My, my phone took seven and a half seconds to learn <laughs> before you had to fucking write a note and tie it to the foot of a pigeon and hope yeah. it got there in a respectable year. And even worse, remember when you had like wait for picture messages to oh, download? Yeah, even yeah, even in more recent context. Yeah, remember the Nokia? Yeah. Best thing you were doing. Like reading the shampoo facts on the back of the bottle was sometimes more appealing than playing fucking snake yeah. on your Nokia. You know what I mean? But it's crazy. Like, think about it. we send a text message and it takes like, you know, twelve seconds to be delivered sometimes and we're losing our fucking minds. Yes. Meanwhile, it's like if you wanted to propose to a girl in the medieval times, you'd like had to hope it got to her within her year, but by then she's already pregnant with kids with some other guy, and you're like waiting for a and then carrier you, pigeon back. Yeah, and then you already like spent your time learning how to play the lute and yeah, like yeah, all that other stuff yeah. too. T- totally different people all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, don't even want to talk to each other anymore by the time. And also the regret. Yeah. You don't even have a quick time to cover it up. What if there was a typo on that letter? Oh, dude. What you're if you fucked. said something that you probably forgot three months goes by? Oh, man, I think I overshared on that carrier pigeon. What do you do? You're <laughs> fucked. It's over. You, what do you got to call out a you know an archer to go find the pigeon in the middle yeah. hills somewhere hey. and take it out? You could only do that if you were wealthy. Yeah. Like, what did you say? Like, Arthur, go find my pigeon. <laughs> Shoot him down in the overhills of. Take him yeah. down. God damn. Yeah, we, we take uh, we take fucking tech for granted, but I'm a piece of shit for that too. Anyway, so yeah, I, I do it too. So flashing for a few years, um, yeah, a few years, 1956. Um, how would I put this? The best guitarist to ever perform with Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> okay. Randy Rhodes is born 1956. From the point in time. That it was, and what was available at the time, yes, Randy mm-hmm. Rhodes. And it, I mean, it's the same argument that could be had for, like, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know, and all the fucking purists out there, you're comparing Randy Rhodes to Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. But Randy laid the groundwork for what would to become the next batch of, like, guitar players because of how, like, influential Eddie Van Halen was in the 80s. Randy Rhodes was just as, if not even more. Yeah, and... This also, too, ties into just ear quality, like what you're mm-hmm. listening to, what your perspective, I call it your perspective, I guess I can put it in that context, because yeah. um, it's just, it's funny, like you'll listen to 10 bands and to them, they could be phenomenal and you could show them to someone and they just don't like it at all and mm-hmm. vice versa, show you 10 bands and you hate all of them and they could be their favorite bands. Yeah. In this case, like... I think Randy's tone, his quality in general, is just more suited to my perspective, ear-wise, of what I like, as opposed to, like, Zach Wild. Which You're, is funny, because I think Randy's guitar tone is absolutely horrendous. I know. And I love it. It's, <laughs> it's like taking razor blades to the fucking I know, ears. that's why I like, It's almost like, because um, Dime was almost similar in that sense, yes. too. You know what I mean? And a lot of it can be said where... Um, Great Southern Trenkill, like the mm-hmm. quality of that versus, um, especially 
um, vulgar display. Like it was a way more like almost like eight bit style fuzzy yeah. tone. So and like I like that. You know, I there's something about that. It worked tone. for dime. It did work for dime. I feel like Randy yeah. was just entirely too good yeah. to be fucking around with shit like that. Yeah, which is weird too because you figure the quality of like Tony Iommi. So it wasn't even so much that Ozzy had already worked with artists that were able to produce like a very what would become was Zach Wilde down mm-hmm. the line. Um, but Rand, something about Randy's tone, man. Um, Diary of Madman is just so fucking good. Yeah, such a good album. Man. I'll be later bringing that up. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Um moving forward here to 1994, which could be commonly said as the one of the greatest albums of the 90s. Um only second to Nirvana's Nevermind, uh Bush's debut album 16 Stone is released. Mm. Um it's funny because I brought them up last week. Mm-hmm. Um in comparison to Nirvana bringing that up. Um Weird because I, I uh, was listening to this album recently, um, and it's funny because the '90s was such a weird time with like those secondary acts, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like what was it, Silverchair, and even like Live. Um, Candlebox. Yeah. Um, and Bush, I don't know, man. Like Razorblade Suitcase was a great album to an extent. Sixteen Stone is a good album, but mm-hmm. it's almost like. I don't know. Overall, front to back, it's not as good of a listen as what you would expect from like the echelon '90s bands. Yes, like I'm, I'm taking Super Unknown before. This. Oh yeah, 100%. I'm taking Dirt before this. I'm taking almost essentially Alice in Chains' entire discography, with the exception of maybe Sap. Maybe. I don't think you're missing out by not including Sap. Yeah, but Bush, I mean, 16 Stone was a good album because they got a lot of hate due to the fact of like the similarities in terms of what they were playing Yes, and what was coming out, which sucks because, you know, granted, they were great live. They were a good mm-hmm. band. That album is very good. Um, but yeah, decent album. 1994, though. Think about how old that sounds. It sounds insanely old, but then I, I come to think about it that I'm two years older than that. I know. Like, but I'm saying, like, you know, when we think about the years, like, that doesn't seem like so long ago, and now it's like getting to a point where that could be a 1029 song. I think it is probably. I'm is. pretty sure I've heard Glycerine on classic rock radio. I was watching, um, forget what channel, um, but it was throwback uh, Thanksgiving weekend. They were playing American Pie, American Pie Two, <laughs> and The Wedding Singer. That's and funny. all the years that those movies came out. I'm like, geez, that was like my whole like. Yeah, well, the wedding singer Later was childhood. The wedding singer was the early nineties, ninety eight, ninety eight. Was it ninety eight? And then American Pie one was ninety nine. American Pie two was oh one. Let's talk but about how good a, those soundtracks were for a second. Both of them, yes. all three of those movies, actually. Yes. But even yeah, but that, I was funny because I was listening and um, they were playing um, the fuck with In Too Deep by Sum Forty One, Fat Lip, of course. Yeah. Um, and then they were playing what's the one? Oh. The anthem by Good Charlotte. Was the anthem, number, but the one American song Pie that I um, that I hadn't heard in a while. Um, why can't I? Th- not three doors down. Um, do 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 do. Oh, third do, eye do, blind. Third eye blind. Yeah, yeah. dude. Semi charm life. Semi charm kind of life, dude. That <laughs> song. That and it's funny. All those songs that came out at that time, we were at an age where we weren't like 
super into that stuff, but like those were the songs that we were hearing in the back of TV soundtracks and things that were like, oh, what's that? And we didn't have the luxury. We just had to type in like American Pie or something on LimeWire and hope (laughs) hope it was the right song. Or go to the store, look at the track listing for the album and Uh, like try to piece together like what what song it was. Yeah, like guess every one of those before like, all right, that one sounds like it. (laughs) But meanwhile, like going back, because we talked about this before, like meanwhile you download it and it's like... um, I don't know, like, it could be like Michael Jackson's Thriller and it's fucking Jumper playing by Third Eye Blind. Like, you have no idea. The original Rick Roll. Yeah, for real. You had no fucking clue. Song saved 18 different times in your iPod. Oh, my God. Dot I, MP3 I used to ad underscore. Yeah. VAC. Yeah. Are we actually going to get into the topic or are we just going to, like, reminisce? Probably. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't mind this. I think it's kind of funny. We do have one more thing, though. 2004. Uh, uh-oh. Motley Crue announced uh, their reunion farewell tour in 2004 after a five-year hiatus with the drummer of Tommy Lee. The ironic thing about this farewell tour, they continue to tour every year for the next 15 years um, <laughs> and basically to this day. I don't even know if they've stopped because I know there was something Vince recently. Vince Neil was doing Vince, his, his own thing now. But I was saying, I think there was something fairly recently where Vince Neil had something happen to him at a live performance. Was yeah. that solo or was, was that? It was solo. He was fucking okay. shit hammered and couldn't sing. That was... <laughs> Just wow. <laughs> fucking shocker by Vince Neil. Yeah, and you know, not for nothing. I mean, like I'm a fat guy, but like I know better. Yeah, like he should know better. Yeah, like from being a skinny guy than becoming fat. I've always been fat. Like doesn't so he? I know. And we have playback now. Doesn't he ever hear this and think to himself, "Dude, like, could you imagine if you woke up the next morning, like, like you fucked up on this show, like royally? Yeah. And next thing you know, for some reason." Everyone on the fucking internet was like posting that clip. You'd be you'd you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is never happening again. Yeah. Not like, hey, let's record an episode and I'm gonna fuck that up again. Yeah, it's like, does he have any moment of self reflection? No, because I mean, he's Vince Neil. This is where they talk about shame, right? Shame's mm-hmm. never and can't always be a negative thing because sometimes shames prevent you from doing the things that could continually embarrass yourself and ruin basically what can be considered a reputable legacy for when its time yes. should have ended. Um, but yeah, shame needs to come into point at some point mm-hmm. for Vince to say, I've done enough. I'm I'm hurting people at this point. <laughs> people are paying good money to come here. Hurting people's wallets. Literally. Dude. Like people are paying money to come here. I just, the integrity of your product should say, you know what? Let me just do this for both of our sakes. Yeah, exactly. Like at that point, I almost feel like it's a disservice to the fans. Gotta be. Like, it's just like, it's a money grab. It's like, I know you're going to pay for this. Gotta be. I know you're coming. And I don't care. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it even goes back to the, um, what was it? He did a cameo or some shit like that. Remember he did the video where it was like, um, like he, like he was paid money. To say like happy birthday to somebody. Oh, Jesus Christ! Remember this? What was it? One of those apps? What's it? Called? I forget what yeah, it's cameo. called. Cameo is that what it's, it's called? Cameo or the that, app? Yeah, I think that's the one. Correct us. Oh yes, that. I I do remember. Yeah, that now. and it was like he was supposed to just say like happy birthday, whatever, rock on some bullshit. He's like, and a happy birthday, and you're rocking with Vince Neil and Motley Crue, and woohoo! So bad, <laughs> yeah, dude. it was horrible. And it's funny because you think about, um, you know, like in those earlier days, like especially with Guns N' Roses where Axl Rose would kind of lose his shit and then fucking shows would get canceled all the time. Mm -hmm. People would kind of riot at that. At this point, what would you rather happen? 
Would you rather go see Motley Crue, pay good money to see Motley Crue in their absolute prime, mm-hmm. and two tracks in, Vince loses his shit or something happens and the show gets canceled? Okay. Or, or go see them live currently and see a full set list. You get to pick tough. any two songs by Motley Crue that you hear, though, in their prime. You get two songs before he loses his shit. Is there a riot that ensues afterwards? No, no. It's like I leave and then you just, you're, you're beat. You spend all that money to see a full set and you only got to see those two songs, but in their absolute prime. Or a full set. What about of, opening band? Yeah, but it's like some fucking, the, the opening band's the same for both sets. It's like Cheap Trick or yeah. something. All right. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Cheap Trick, but they're like yeah, that, that quintessential band. I'd probably be paying band. for that in general. Like, I would see Cheap Trick live anyway, but yeah. <laughs> I have. The, yeah. Well, they, they just so happen to be on like every one of those like festival. They're things. the oblivion bin of openers, yeah. yeah. Which sucks because Cheap Trick is a pretty good band. They are pretty good, but um, I don't know. I think I'd have to. It's tough, isn't it? Because like it's that bad. Because like in my head, I could sing like "Home Sweet Home" and like I'd be okay with it, just like black out Vince Neil, but. <laughs> If he was, like, in his prime, I'd rather have him singing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're getting the quality... I did that with Van Halen. exactly what you hoped for in those yes. two songs. I... I'd have to take... I'd have to take the shitty set. Okay. Honest to God, I'd have to. Yeah. Because I'd rather be able to sit there and, like, hear all of the songs and, like, like piece together, like, the recorded version in my head with the version that I'm hearing now currently... And then, like, kind of just like black. I did out this with Bob you know Dylan. I mean? Yeah, you were telling me. I did that. this with Bob Dylan. <laughs> it was literally playing "Guess That Bob Dylan Song," and if it wasn't for the instrumental, you know, patterns that you could eventually, oh, okay, it's tangled up in blue. It took you like three minutes into the song before you even realized what the fuck you were listening to. Yeah. <laughs> but see, me, that's different for me because Motley Crue, their discography and their track listing for me is so minute on terms of like what I like by them. So I'm taking those two songs. Okay. And I'm probably taking Shout at the Devil and Kickstart My Heart. And that's it. Really? Yes. No live wire? Nope. Damn. Nope. If I had to pick two Motley Crue songs, I'd have, I'd have to do Wild Side. I really like that song. And then... I don't know. Yeah, shout that, at the Devil for me is just is that like that. Dr. Feelgood. I had to do Dr. Dr. Feelgood. Feelgood's pretty good, too. Because like that, that's a banger and a half it right is. there. Yeah, Shout, I think, um, it's like that droney, more like heavy song. Yeah. And then Kickstart's more of like your fast pace. Yeah, exactly. Know, typical. But then, you know, something would happen, like something would get thrown on stage and he would just be like, fuck it. Yeah, right at the end. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what would happen. And you get to choose the order you hear them, which mine would probably be Shout and then Kickstart and then leave and just, okay, that was good enough for me. But wouldn't you rather want to hear no. like the the no. um the YouTube like meme version of Kickstart My Heart? No. No, I wouldn't want to, I don't mind hearing it, but to pay money for that, knowing yeah, what I'm I walking into. But also too, mind you, that set list, you're gonna get the worst. Like if you uh did a compilation of Vince's worst performances for every one of those songs, you're literally <laughs> getting that version of it for every song. I would have loved to have been the guy that made the meme of that. God so bad. Like I wish I like I wish I was like creative enough to have thought of that. He's a he's a hero. Yeah, he is hero. literally literally a hero. Are you the hero of that? No. What do you think it the chances are? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, um, YouTube will probably flag us because I'm about because as we're talking about this, that video is probably gonna be playing in the background. Okay. 
So it has to be. Yeah. So if YouTube's algorithm works correctly, yeah. then he would have seen this. Okay. So get at us on your social media accounts. So trying to keep this thing like short and sweet. I figure we could talk about sophomore albums. Speaking of Diary of a Madman. Yeah, speaking of Diary of a Madman okay. from earlier. Okay. I, I was originally thinking, I was like, eh, maybe we shouldn't even do a topic. Like, let's, let's just try like a free-form yeah, talk. This one, I like this too because um, <laughs> there's actually one on my list particularly. So I say we talk about sophomore albums that we consider to be their best, if not arguably their best okay could be you know like a lot of people will find these because it's interesting with sophomore albums um and i wanted to do something with like bill and basement box office uh with will to say that it's very very rare that people can make the argument for a second film to be better than their first yes sometimes like godfather 2 is my favorite of that series Mm. um empire strikes back my favorite of that series so sometimes it happens but with albums it's it's really noticeable. You'll see a lot of sophomore albums are usually their most known. Yes. Or if not, people will think that possibly, like for instance, like Rain and Blood for the longest time, I thought was either a debut or their second. That's what I thought realizing too. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, never mind. Never mind. I have that on here. Dirt. Yeah, I have that on here too. <laughs> but the one I'm going to talk about first, because I've been listening to it a lot recently, which is just coincidental for this process, is Late Registration by Kanye West. Okay. That album, man, and this is where I harp on Kanye currently that bothers the shit out of me. Um, Because, like, he comes out with new music, and he just went into such a style that became so transcendent of what he used to do to kind of become almost in his own unique category. Yeah. And it for me, it's not working. A lot of people it is. And, like, I love the jokes about it. Like, you know, Kanye could release an album of, like, dead silence. And people are like, yeah, I feel it. Like, Pootie Tang. Remember? Yeah. You ever seen Pootie Tang? <laughs> yeah. And they're all sitting Pootie there and it's just dead silent. And they're just like. <laughs> and they start jamming to it. Like, Kanye could do the same bullshit at this point and probably get away with it and still make sales. Yeah. But if you go back, man, Kanye, in those early days, college dropout, probably my personal favorite. But late registration, man is so fucking good. Well, it's because he was hungry, dude. He, he had a name to I make know, for himself. I know, it was such a good album. Like, mm-hmm. when we talk about that early 2000s wave, that late 90s wave of hip-hop and rap, um, like, I was even going to do Get Rich or Die Trying, but I, for, I didn't realize Power of the Dollar was an EP. Get Rich or Die Trying was actually 50 Cent's debut. So then The Massacre would be... The Massacre sophomore. was technically a sophomore. And that's I still personally would, like The Massacre more, but... I, and they're to me, they're almost interchangeable. Yeah. Like when we talk Alice in Chains between Facelift, Dirt, and all... Like, it depends on the mood. Massacre is so good. Yeah. But that early 2000s wave, and especially late registration, it's... It's... that Like, if I'm ever going to say, like, I like Kanye West, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, don't be giving me fucking Donda. Don't, don't, like, all his newer stuff, man, to me, it's just, there's nothing that's comparable to those early years of Kanye. It's a cash grab. Really is, man. Very sad. Moving forward, talking about cash grab, um, this album wasn't intended to be a cash grab, but it wound up being a cash grab, and one of the, um, one of the highest selling records of all time, Garth Brooks's No Fences. Um, came out in 1990 was, uh, you know, after his self-titled album, which had, which had a couple of good songs, but no fences had like it. What a fucking selling artist though. Dude. Man. Like it's so, cause I'm not. This shit still isn't I streaming know, that's by what's the way. Crazy to me because 
I remember how many times we looked up stuff regarding like top this, top that for this. And like Garth Brooks in this era was mm-hmm. just fucking dominating. Dude, he, he could not be beat. Dominating. And like even more, even more so than just country music. He like there was no like blue collar family in America in the 90s that either A, didn't know any Garth Brooks songs or B, Garth Brooks wasn't a staple in their household. Yeah. Like, it's just how it was. Like, he was like the Beatles. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's funny because you say not even just country, but, you know, the term pop music is just simplicity for popular music. Yes. Like, Led Zeppelin was considered pop music for its time. The Beatles was considered pop music for its time. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's what Garth Brooks was for its time, you know? And it's funny because Garth Brooks, to me, it is one of those, like, artists where... You hear the name, you know the name, you might not know the songs, and then you could like hear the songs, you're like, wow, that was him this whole time. Yeah. Because of how often his shit was played in that era, especially in our childhood. Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't get away from Garth Brooks. Now, see, like, that was the type of household that I grew up in. Well, yeah. It, Garth Brooks was like, well, it was like all depend. it was depending on the day, whereas, like, was Ozzy Osbourne God today, or was it... Garth yeah, Brooks. see, I didn't grow up in that type <laughs> of household per se. Yeah, but I know where you grew up, so I can I can picture you like seven years old, probably fixing a transmission and Garth Brooks <laughs> on. You were basically like working Dude, on cars from. Birth. I had like the checkered shirt and shit. Oh yeah, or, you know, like the Garth Brooks shirts. Like yeah. I had that shit. Like I lived it. I wanted. It's to funny be that Garth we don't Brooks. get much into country on this, considering <laughs> we know deep down in your background that's all there. Well, it's always like the '90s, like pop country shit. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna sit here like talk about like Gene Autry and shit like that. But you know, or uh, I don't know, fucking, I don't get that, I don't dive that deep into Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. But I know a pretty decent bit about like Travis Tritt and like Tim McGraw and shit like that. Like that, that's my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of my family too. <laughs> um, kind of keeping going backwards now to 1970. Black Sabbath's Paranoid. Mm. I think Black in in Black Sabbath's Paranoid is not my personal favorite, but it's the iconic one. It's it really is. And if you think about 1970, if you're listening to the album Paranoid for that time, it was even the self title. Yeah. But that jump from the self title to Paranoid in terms of just production, musicianship. They really came into their own. Lyrical content. Everything about Paranoid is such a great, great bluesy doom metal. Like You're getting everything that's going to blueprint for so much to come for the next decades. Absolutely. And it's, um, that was actually, I don't know, because my favorite is going to be listed probably last. But yeah, that's up there. That's up there. Um... Well, I was going to say, well, speaking of Ozzy Osbourne, Diary of a Madman in 1981, I, I, that's a given. I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, Diary was worlds better than Blizzard um, in terms of songwriting, in terms of musicianship. It was just over the mountain, flying high again. Like, Like, let's be real. Like, it was fucking good album. But the one I would like to bring up is... Megadeth's second album, Peace Sells. My favorite. Yes. My favorite. Now, I like Countdown and Rust in Peace Mm -hmm. more, but I feel like, well, because you know how my, what my tastes are in production values and killing, you know, uh, killing is my business is good. No pun intended there, but um, 
it's it's a good yeah, album. That was weird. You kind of like finished the album without yeah. not yeah. Keep, all right, keep going. Um, it's a good album, but P sells. It, it, it's Megadeth weren't weren't a hundred percent into their own yet, but it was a step in the right direction. I, I mean, feel yeah, like it was they, a better album. They took the five thousand dollar budget and spent it all on heroin and shit. Yeah, exactly. Really produced that album with like change at that point, <laughs> which is crazy because the songs on Killing Is My Business, mm-hmm. the songs are awesome. Yes. But the performance of them and the production of them, even the remasters makes it even worse. I hate when there's like 80 different remasters for that yeah. album. They all stink. But Peace Sells, man, like there's probably overall track for track. If I could hear those songs in Peace Sells production, I'd probably like Killing Is My Business better. Okay. But Peace Sells, compared to Ross, because they're kind of like the two that I'll go back and forth. And so far, so good. What So what is kind of like, it's like that weird odd album of their discography that I overlook yeah. from time to time. But Peace Sells, man. Can't yeah. be beat, dude. Because yeah. coinciding with that, Ride the Lightning. Okay. My favorite album of there as well in that discography. Same thing. Huge leap from self-titled. Well, well you know my feeling all. about Kill Em All. Yeah. So yeah, you, I agree 100%. You could basically throw that in a fucking dumpster at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I feel that the same way that I feel about Killing Is My Business, essentially. Which is funny because it's almost like baton racing at this point. Because it's like, I love like that first half of their album so much. And then it's like, I start to fizz out. And then that's when I give like the baton to you. And then you're all about like that <laughs> black album on. You can talk more on that yeah. as opposed to like Kill Em All and everything before that. Um, but I don't even want to talk because that was like an honorable mention. That's not even my list. What I wanted to talk about was Leprosy okay. by Death, 1988. Another one. Like this is like starting to become a theme because a lot of sophomore albums tend to be my favorites just coincidentally. And Leprosy by the band Death, um, another baton moment where yeah. you're not so much in on the earlier half of their discography, but you're more on the later half. Yeah. And Leprosy for me, just because I like that early, um, late 80s, 90s, like Tampa scene, death metal of just... The raw production, the songs are just more brutal. Like I even talk about this with like Carcass and um, Exhumed. Like you get like a gory, like you feel like you're yeah. listening to a horror movie. Like you feel like you're listening to a gory horror movie when you listen to these songs. Um, and Leprosy is arguably in my top probably five or ten of albums of all time. Really? Let alone, yeah, it's that good of an album to me. Like That's if I crazy. really think about it, like I put it up there. Like, cause, and it's hard for me because it's genre based. Like, I yeah. could probably name ten albums overall better, but if I had to narrow it down, like, you know, fitting in genres and taking that into yeah. account, Leprosy is like up there. Up. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, sticking into death metal here. Um, I want to talk about Through the Eyes of the Dead's sophomore release, Malice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, came out in two thousand seven. Obviously, came after Bloodlust. Um. With having like a, you know, a relationship with, you know, members of this band or member of this band, um, I was actually able to sit down and actually listen to it, listen to all their entire discography. And um, I feel like Malice as a whole is just, it's a more mature album. Yeah, you the definitely production, hear it. Yeah, the production value is so much better. Um, musicianship is so much better. And... Uh, at the end of the day, Malice was actually the first Through the Eyes of the Dead album that I heard because of the song Failure in the Flesh that was on Headbangers Ball. Mm-hmm. That's when I initially found out about them. Rest in that- peace, Headbangers Ball, man. I know. God damn. You would think, like, 
because they have like Paramount Plus now. Yeah. And like MTV's a part of that. Yeah. Like you would think they would try to like revamp it somehow. We have like ADD. Mm-hmm. I just say one thing and we're just now we're talking. Well, about that's the thing, Plus dude, again. because I feel like every time me and you bring something up, it's like something the other guy was thinking about and mm-hmm. just didn't say that yep. that's what makes this show so good. Yeah. Or does it? What do you think? <laughs> Go back through your eyes of that. So yeah, that it's funny because even with that album, particularly something you'll also notice in terms of pattern is that you can see with these albums, like the major leap yes. of like difference yep. as opposed to some bands kind of just like grow a little bit and it takes a little bit longer to get there to make but like the 180 sounds between Killing Is My Business to Peace Sells, the 180 sound from Kill Em All to Ride the Lightning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just hearing complete differences. Like that's why I said with like Rain and Blood, it's funny to think they took two albums to even get to that point. Yeah. But they were weird too because it was like Show No Mercy and then it kind of dipped down a little bit with Hell Awaits. I wasn't a huge fan of that album. And then yeah. just out of nowhere shot up with like Rain and Blood, like major change. You go from like basically independent labeling sources and sense to Def Jam. Yeah, exactly. Rick Rubin? <laughs> the hell did that happen? But yeah, yeah, Through the Eyes of the Dead, man, that second album is very, very good. And then obviously, like, throughout their discography, it just gets better and Constantly, better. Constantly, yeah. You know, evolves in that sense. But um, actually, I only have one more. I'm just going to say this one, too, because it actually runs into what this is, because Through the Eyes of the Dead can be considered as, like, the godfathers of deathcore, mm-hmm. and I know how much they appreciate that accolade or accolade. But um, another sophomore album is the 2009 release from Suicide Silence, No Time to Bleed. Now, I think the songs are better. I think the production quality is better. But with that being said, they went from more of a death metal with like a little core in there to just straight death core. Yeah. And... Like, if you listen to both those albums back to back, you can hear how, you know, they had these like super death metal influences and then they just completely got rid of them for the the art of commercial release. Yeah. Clearview Regional High School killed uh, my hopes to join <laughs> bands like Suicide Silence. I couldn't fucking get away from it. I had a building resentment with certain individuals. <laughs> hey, check out this song. It's by Metallica. Oh, this came out in 88. It's old as fuck. I'm not listening to that. Check this out, though. Suicide. And like that now, I got a resentment. Yeah. Now you're going to talk about my shit. <laughs> so yeah, Clearview Regional High School. Unfortunately, in Suicide Silence's discography after this album, yeah. I don't feel like they really did anything better than it. Like the Black Crown came out. This is the last one with Mitch. And like, that was good. But it wasn't No Time to Bleed. When No Time to Bleed came out, I like that was like groundbreaking to me. I was like, oh my God. He's even funny thing in 09, because now even we're getting to a point where that's going to start seeming. Yeah. Jesus. A um, couple ones I want to mention Led Zeppelin 2, um, 2001 by Dr. Dre. Mm. Uh, very good. Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest is another. I, I think that's Tribe's best album, Low End Theory. It's fucking phenomenal. That's their sophomore release. But. The one I'm going to land on to be arguably the best sophomore release probably in music history has to be Nevermind. I think in terms of what it did for music, what it did in terms of going from Bleach to that, just coming onto a scene and like the catch on factor of it, like coming around around September and then like not even catching on till the holidays. Like the shows that they played in that gap time between 
um, the release date in September till like Christmassy time mm-hmm. was nuts. Like they have that show at the Paramount Halloween Day of '91, and it was still kind of like a low end gig, but they yeah. had really professional production because of now this record label, mm-hmm. and you got to see what a label was going to do for you. But in terms of like sophomore releases, it's got to be one of the most like iconic. It's one of the best. So- it is the best sophomore it, release of all time. It has to be, dude. Like, I can't think of any other second album that was either as influential or as big. Selling, just influential, mm-hmm. and it's good. Like, Everything about it. It's a very good album. I talk a lot of shit on Nirvana. Yeah. But... Well, so I'm the same way, like, when I talk certain things, like, even with, like, Van Halen and stuff, but mm. especially Sammy Hagar, Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> like, but at the end of the day, you can't deny what they were able to accomplish. Exactly. You know? And, you know, Nevermind is... it's an undeniable one of the greatest albums of all time. Well, I'm not going to go that far, but it's a good album and it's very influential. Taking it over anything the Beatles ever released in history. Oh, 100%. I, I, I'm so, I, I love, uh, I just like, I saw like the meme with like Patrick Bateman. He's standing by like his, uh, like his uh, record player and stuff. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. When Beatles fans show you the worst fucking song ever recorded. You know, it's just, <laughs> I, I love that some people feel that same way. Yeah. That we can get to a point where you can see people voicing similar opinions so you don't feel like crazy for saying you hate the beat. But yep. Who's like, I just can't picture myself driving an hour on the turnpike or something and like, I really want to listen to Sergeant Pepper right now. Yeah. Like, Penny Lane. Yeah. Like, Revolver's just really. Yeah. Sitting on my brain, I gotta get that. No, no, hell fucking absolutely never, not. never is that okay. Well, you remember my heart. Your road story. trip, the that road trip. The what was the song though? Yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. Traumatized. I wished I was living in a yellow submarine at Jesus that point in time, with like the windows open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I think I'm gonna narrow it down and say probably Leprosy is my favorite sophomore release. I think I'm gonna say that. My favorite sophomore release has to be. Hmm. Diary. Good, good pick. Yeah, I think Diary is my number one. I, uh, I approve of that pick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just one of those things like pound for pound and what it was able to accomplish and what it did to propel Ozzy further. Yeah. Like, you know, because that, you know, no fences. Garth Brooks was a megastar and he just you know, he stayed megastar. Like that was it. Peace cells. They kind of plateaued at peace cells and it just kind of what it was until a countdown. Then, you know, through the eyes of the dead, like they got better, but I can't, I can't put malice above diary. Yeah. No time to bleed was their plateau. And then diary, you know, you have blizzard to diary and then diary to ultimate sin. So it literally just, it helped propel Ozzy into superstardom. It did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So right. what do you think? Find us on our social media accounts if you don't agree with what we said. Do you think Vince Neil should continue to perform live music? <laughs> do you think what what came after Shout at the Devil? Um Kickstart? N- oh, album wise? Yeah. Wasn't it um wasn't Dr. Feel Good? No. Girls, girls, girls. I want to say it was Girls, Girls, Girls. Because Theater of Pain was the big one. Let's see. Well, anyways, while Steve's looking that one up, find us on our social media accounts, facebook.com slash RATM podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RATM podcast, YouTube search. So shout out to Double Wizards podcast. 
You was forgot it? Too Fast for Love. Oh, shit. Damn. So, okay, do you feel like that was the better sophomore album than mm. anything we had brought up? Mm. Email us, retmpodcast at gmail.com. But let's get into our suggestions for this week. My suggestion is the February 3rd, 2006 release from In Flames, Come Clarity. Um, my choice from this album is Crawl Through Knives. This was the song that initially got me into In Flames. And just the the fucking solo in this song is just so yeah. stupid. Like, you in o- a good way. You obviously remember Kill the Evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Those guys that were all in that band was like the big melodic death thing and at the gate star tranquility. But in flames was one of the most influential bands of mm-hmm. that band. So the Jester race was like what got me like really into them. And then it was Horacle and Colony. But in flames is just I really love Colony's the sound of in flames, man. Like there's just something unique about it where because I always talk about like medieval ish, like, you know, yeah. like battle hardened type metal, like the melodic sound of it. I like in flames. Fucking big A. Thing. My uh my recommendation is the 1990 release by NWA, the Hundred Miles and Running EP. Oh shit! One of my favorite music videos. I think like one day we should really discuss that. Some of our favorite music videos because that's like a big thing that got me into a lot of music early on. We could do it in front um, of the green screen and the music videos. We could, yeah. Oh, good call. Yeah, we have a green screen here now. Oh, yeah. Later to be featured on the show. We're fucking moving up. Moving on up. Yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the title track, Hundred Miles and Running, is the recommendation. Fucking a, yeah, that's good. That 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 EP is good, solid. You know, the music video. I just like I, everything about like, especially the that era hip hop, like the late '80s, going in the early 2000s. That's what got me into it. Like the music videos were just so fucking entertaining. On mm-hmm. top of it, like remember Soul Survivor by Young Jeezy? Yeah, when they basically did the paid in full version of like I'm a such a fucking like, soul waking up every morning before school. Yeah. Like that gave me the energy. Like I'm sitting there and not wanting to get out of bed. And then you just hear, you know, a con in the background, convict, convict. I'm like, right, let's do this. You know which one used to do that for me? It was Jesus Walks. That's another one. Jesus Walks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, dude. So good. Jesus Walks with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But that's another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream podcast for the books. We want to thank you all for tuning in and listening and all that other good shit. So find us on our social medias, facebook.com slash RATM podcast, Instagram and Twitter at RATM podcast, YouTube search Rage Against Mainstream podcast. Give us a like, share, subscribe to us. Uh, The more you help us, the less I'll have to say during this little segment here. And um, I mean, not, not that I don't like doing it, but it's starting to become like super long winded now. But, um, yeah, find us on there. And then uh, if you don't want to, I guess you can write to us on uh, our email, retmpodcast at gmail.com. But until then, this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream Podcast. As always, I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.